the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel. Discouragement and despair are tools in the enemy's toolbox that he will use. And one of the things that he does with discouragement and despair is to drive us off course. David is going to spend 16 months in Philistine territory. That's 16 months out of the will of God. Okay? He, is, he is not supposed to go fraternize with the enemies of Israel. But that's where despair and discouragement has driven him. Discouragement and despair are very real things that people deal with on a day-to-day basis. Worry, anxiety, depression, or any mental health problems are some of the biggest ways the enemy tries to distract us and keep us from focusing on what really matters, Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that even though you may be dealing with one or all of these issues, there is still hope. Just because you are under mental attack doesn't mean God isn't physically there. Even in the battle for your mind and your soul, God is there fighting alongside you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 26, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Verse 13, And now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Why are you calling out the king? Or who are you calling out the king? And so David said to Abner, are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the king? Well, that's like, you know, taking a shot at his manhood. It's like, well, you weren't man enough to guard your own king. And uh, he says, for one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king. And this thing that you have done is not good as the Lord lives. David says, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. And then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice, my son, David? Now, he's not his biological son, but, you know, it's just this, he's, he's like a father figure to him. And, and David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Same, same conversation he had back in chapter 24. Now, therefore, please, David says, this is verse 19. Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. 
But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. And so, so David's like, you know, listen, why, 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 why are you going to all this effort to kill me? Like, like I'm, I'm just a, a flea. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not worth fighting here. And then Saul said in verse 21, I have sinned. See how, you know, he's just such a duplicitous man. He's like back and forth and back and forth. He goes, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today. But I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all the tribulation. And then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. And so David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. So again, the conversation's very similar to chapter 24. David doesn't trust Saul, though. I mean, he's heard this speech before and Saul's gone back on his word. Um, you know, Saul is one of these guys who gets convicted in the moment, but then, you know, given a little bit of time, he falls back into his old ways. He is a very tormented man. He is a man who has been disobedient to God, and the result of that uh, is that he is uh, a man who is himself um, very tormented. And, and so David has this conversation. David leaves. Saul goes back to his place. Well, chapter 27. It's starting to take a toll now on David. Because it says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Now, I want you to notice what is happening here with David. He's starting to spiral. And despite the fact that he's had this amical conversation with Saul, he's still, this is taking a toll. You know, by this time, by the time you get here to chapter 20, 27 uh, into chapter 28, David has been on the run from Saul for about 10 years. 10 years. And so it starts to take its toll. And what hits David are the twin enemies of discouragement and despair. Now, David says, Saul will despair because if I retreat to the Philistine territory, Saul will be in despair and he'll give up and he won't hunt me down anymore. The reality is that David is the one in despair because you have to be in a bad place to think that there's safety in enemy territory. I mean, the Philistines are the enemies of Israel. And David actually thinks to himself, I would be better off with the Philistines. Now, listen, 
same thing kind of happened with the Hebrews when they left Egypt and then they got into a place of despair and discouragement. They're in the wilderness and like there's no food, there's no water and you know, wow, 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 and all this stuff, despite the fact God was providing for them every single day. And what did they say? We were better off in Egypt. No, you weren't. You were slaves in Egypt. What are you talking about? But you see what happens sometimes when people get into a place of despair and they get into a place of discouragement that you can entertain all kinds of things that aren't even good for you. And you possibly can end up doing things you would otherwise never do. And so I just, I'm going to go through chapter 27, but, but with this point in mind, discouragement and despair are tools in the enemy's toolbox that he will use. And one of the things that he does with discouragement and despair is to drive us off course. David is going to spend 16 months in Philistine territory. That's 16 months out of the will of God. Okay, he is, he is not supposed to go fraternize with the enemies of Israel. But that's where despair and discouragement has driven him. So that he thinks, I'm better off with the Philistines than I am with my own people. And so verse 2, it says, Then David arose and went over with 600 men, these are his soldiers, who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Now, Akish is his name. He also goes by a title, Abimelech. Abimelech translates in Hebrew, um, my father is king. So Abimelech is a title. Akish is his name. This is a Philistine king. This is an enemy of Israel. He's the king of Gath. And by the way, if this sounds familiar too, back in chapter 21, do you remember for a very short period of time, David thought the same thing earlier when he thought, I'm just going to go down to Philistine territory, hang out with the Philistines, and then Saul won't find me down there until Achish, the king, realized this is David. Uh, this probably doesn't bode well for us Philistines. He's probably here to get us. And then David fakes that whole insanity thing. Remember that from chapter 21? And he's like got drool going down his face. And he's like, ah, I'm out of my mind. I don't know why I'm here. And then the king Achish says, you just need to get out of here. You're out of your mind. And David says, okay, see you later. And so he leaves. This is the same guy he's coming back to. And now he's bringing 600 soldiers with him, which is another important thing to note. Are you ready? Here's the other thing. Discouragement and despair will take down others with us. When, when you're in the place of discouragement and despair, it tends to affect other people around you. And who does he take with him? 600 people plus their families. So how many is that? It's, un, it's unnumbered here, but 600 men along with their families, go to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Verse 3, and so David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household. All these families. And David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, and so he sought him no more, at least not for now. And then David said to Achish, the king of Gath, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should, notice, your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So this is the little spiel that David's given Achish. He's like, you know what? Um, 
if you're willing and, and, and you think I'm a nice guy, I hope you do. I've come here for a season, um, but I don't want to dwell with you in the royal city. Can you just give me some other place in the country? But he refers to himself as your servant. I want to be your servant. And it's not the only time. At the end of chapter 27, Akish refers to him as my servant forever. Because what happens again is when you give in to discouragement and despair, as part of the weapons that the enemy uses, you end up serving the enemy. He uses those things to get you to serve him. Now, I'm going to share a remedy to this, so just hold on for the moment, but this is the situation here. And so, Akish, verse 6, so Akish gave him Ziklag. Ziklag translates winding or twisting, but it's the name of a city. He gave him Ziklag that day, and therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. There you have it, 16 months out of the will of God. And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, for those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And whenever David attacked the land, now look at this, whenever David attacked the land, he left behind, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish, the king. And then Achish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the, of the Jeremelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. And David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. And so Achish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him, therefore he will be my servant forever. Look at that. Look at that. The enemy, the enemy has now subdued David. And David is in such a bad place. He's doing something he would never have thought he would do. He's turned into this bandit. David is just going around slaughtering. Now, he's, he's, he's justifying it because he's thinking, well, these are enemies of Israel. So, you know, I'm not fighting my fellow Israelites. I am fa- fighting the Geshurites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites, you know. And so he's justifying it. He's like slaughtering all these people. Did God tell him to do this? No. God didn't send him on this mission. He's just indiscriminately going around slaughtering people and then, and then taking the spoils and bringing them back to the enemy king and saying, here, here's some stuff, you know, I'm paying rent on Ziklag and so I've captured, you know, all these people, killed all these people and I'm bringing you some of the plunder. This is just a bad place in David's life. Don't look at anything in chapter 27 and think, wow, what a valiant guy. No, he's in a bad place because discouragement and despair has led him there. And a lot of times, discouragement and despair will lead us to places that we don't want to go, but we end up there and we think to ourselves, how did I get here? And I never would have thought I would have ended up in this place. And let me tell you something. The enemy will pour it on thick. Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. And he wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to take your kids. He wants to ruin your business. He wants to ruin our church. I mean, everything that the enemy can lay his hands on that have any 
resemblance or anything that gives glory to God, Satan will try to attack. And in our lives, he will often use despair and discouragement to try to make us subservient to him. So we get into a place where we just like give up or we, we get so discouraged that we just end up doing things and going to places we never thought we would. So how do you fight that? Well, I'm going to give you Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, and I don't mean this as, you know, just kind of take two verses and, you know, call me in the morning. But the fact is that, that sometimes all we need are a couple of verses to remind us about the truth of what God says, to combat the lies of the enemy. And here's what Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, referring to this great hall of faith from chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Isn't that a great passage? That's Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Amen. Yeah, give God praise for that. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, one way that you can combat discouragement in your souls is to just constantly be fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. In other words, that Jesus, he knew the cross was before him, but he looked beyond the cross, who for the joy set before him, he realized that there was going to be great victory, but he's going to have to go through some suffering until he gets to the victory side of things. And so the writer of Hebrews says to us, just follow the good example of Jesus. Because he endured suffering and he endured the shame for us. But then he enjoyed the joy set before him and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, Consider him who endured such shame and such suffering so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And it's just a reminder to us that when the enemy comes in hard, just focus on Jesus and keep your eyes on Jesus. Corey Ten Boom, I love to quote her every once in a while. She was a, um, a prisoner of war in Nazi Germany. And um, when she was released, uh, although the rest of her family died in the prison camps, but she said this, Corey Ten Boom said, look within and be depressed. Look without and be distressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. Amen. So, chapter 28. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And so David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. There he is, still enslaved to the enemy. And Akish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. The NIV says bodyguard. So, you know, David is now going to be a bodyguard to Akish. He's going to fight for him. But now look at this twist here in chapter 28. It gets demonic, friends. Here we go. Verse 3. Now, 
Samuel had died, that's the prophet, right? And all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Okay, that's one good thing Saul did. Mediums and spiritists. We're talking about people who tapped into the occult, people who tapped into the demonic. Now, King Saul did the right thing because you don't need to turn there, but if you want to write in the margin of your Bible, Deuteronomy 18, I'm going to read to you what God had said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 18 before they even went into the promised land. This is what God said through Moses in Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 to 14. God says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you will dispossess listened to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. So God is very clear here. You got to rid the land of these things. In fact, he also said in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. So Saul has done a good thing at some point in his reign by getting rid of the mediums and the spiritists, those who are, listen, We're not talking, you know, people who like a good magic trick and sleight of hand, that kind of thing. We're talking about people who actually tap into the demonic principalities and who are tapping into this kind of uh, evil spiritual stuff. Saul got rid of them. However, Saul, because he's in a bad place, he's like, I got to go consult a medium. I got to go find one, and I'm the one who drove him out of the land. And so, look what happens here. And so, verse 4, Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. And so Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. Notice this. Because Saul had spent so much time, energy, and effort tracking down David, who wasn't the real enemy, now he's afraid of who the real enemy is, the Philistines. And so he's afraid. His heart trembled greatly. Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. And then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And they say, well, there's this Long Island spiritist medium lady. She's, you know, she's got... She's got something going. Oh, let me tell you something. That lady, if you watch the Long Island medium, she is, she, that's demonic stuff. I'm just telling you right now. And if you just think that oh, that's just kind of neat TV, it's not neat TV. Well, keep reading here, and I'll, I'll get into this a little bit before we share communion together. But Because um, we, we got to wash down all this garbage after reading this. But He says, like, let me find a medium that I may go inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So, like, you, you got to go. Endor happens to be eight miles to the north from where they are. 
Uh, Endor translates in Hebrew, spring of the circle. It's interesting. And so Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of 1 Samuel. This book is packed full of practical applications for our lives today. We follow three main characters, Saul, David, and of course Samuel, through a series of crossroads and decisions they faced during the early days in Bible times. It is here that we find the victory of David over Goliath and the development of a new prophet in young Samuel. We also find the fall of the king in Saul as a reminder of the consequences of disobedience to God. As Samuel told Saul in chapter 15, verse 22, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can hear the truth from one another? Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m. to learn from the Word and spend time in fellowship as sons and daughters of the King. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We also encourage and believe in the power of praying together and for one another. Email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to this teaching from 1 Samuel today on Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know, but still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.